listening to the Ready for Departure podcast, written and presented by Microlite student pilot Steve Middleton. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 9 of the Ready for Departure podcast. I've re-recorded this episode because I was made aware of a few mistakes and inaccuracies in the previous version. Well, after approximately 18 months of flight training and in excess of 50 hours of flight tuition, my instructor felt I was ready for my general skills test. This episode describes my personal experience with the MPPL general skills test in a Eurostar EV97 microlight. So, my instructor entered examiner mode for the duration of my GST. He's a fully qualified CAA examiner and is able to conduct my GST. We started with a pre-flight brief where he explained what area we would take in the test, an area that I knew well, thankfully, and what would be expected of me. Basically, every manoeuvre I've been taught during the last year and a half will be thoroughly tested. He explained there can be one of three outcomes, a pass, a fail, or a partial pass. I hoped for a pass, but I was very nervous about my practice force landings, or PFLs, as I lacked confidence. In the back of my mind, I thought, if I'm going to fail any part of it, it would be the PFL. He said to think of him during the flight as a passenger who has flown with me before. After the pre-flight brief, I was allowed to walk over and check the aircraft out and had a minute to compose myself before the examiner hopped into the right seat. We agreed a point to start the test, and that was it. Test begins. The captain's brief was a bit forced and awkward. Here I am telling someone far more experienced than me what to do and what not to do, but I managed it without breaking into laughter. I was nervous as hell after all, so that helped kill all humour from the situation. I made the radio call for a local flight and taxied just in front of the tower for my power checks and I see a fellow flying school private pilot ahead of me facing away from the wind doing his power checks. I'm confused. I look at the windsock and I look at him. Am I reading the windsock wrong? Well he's got his license and I haven't so he must be right and I must be wrong. I start to face away from the wind in line with the flying school's sister aircraft. Don't you normally face into the wind at this point? says the examiner coolly. Yes. Yes I do, I say casually as I keep the turn coming and face into the wind. Phew, nearly failed before we'd even lined up on the runway. Never trust another pilot, another lesson learned. I make sure to call out each of the pre-takeoff checks as I work my way down the checklist and eventually the engine is warm enough, I bring it around and call for departure. Backtrack 08 left, so off we go. I start trundling down the runway the wrong way, which always feels a little disconcerting, and my normal chatty instructor is in full on silent examiner mode. It's awkward. I resist the temptation to speed up and break the silence with some nonsense about how the grass runways are in terrible condition and I'm weaving around and I'm avoiding potholes. He writes something down, okay. Take off when ready. Surface wind. Actually, I'll stop there. Before we started, my instructor called the tower to say we were doing a GST and that we wanted to make sure touch and goes were going to be allowed. They were. After that phone call, he commented that I had jam on the cake because the wind was very light straight down the runway. No crosswind shenanigans to worry about. That was great news for me because I always get nervous with crosswind landing and find them extra hard work. So I think surface wind was a couple of knots and it was all headwind. The takeoff and half circuit was normal and we departed to the west. The examiner eased me into the test with a climb while maintaining my current speed. There were th- further climbs and descents at set speeds. Next we did some compass turns. These were typically worded as something like turn onto a heading of 180 degrees and it was up to me to ensure I turned the correct way to begin with, anticipated the rollout, locked on and trimmed to the requested heading. That all went well. I was actually starting to relax a bit now. I was doing it. I was doing okay anyway. Next we did some stalls. I started with a standard stall recovery. That's with the use of power to aid in the recovery. I reduced the power, keep the nose just slightly above the horizon and slowly pull back. When I feel the buffet, I applied full power, lowered the nose for the speed to recover and climbed away. I was pretty happy with that. We weren't really in a stall there, were we? What? 
weren't we? Bloody felt like we were. Now perform for me a pitch-only stall recovery. Ha, I see what he's doing here. He wants me to repeat the manoeuvre, but rather than say, let's do that again, he's changed the request slightly. I'm determined to put this thing into a full stall this time. I reduce the power to idle, hold the nose and watch the speed bleed off. I'm holding my nerve and pulling back the stick all the way until not only does the buffet start, but the nose actually starts to drop. Yeah, if that's not a full stall, I don't know what one is. I lower the nose, pick up speed and then pitch back up to best glide, 70 mile an hour. Examiner seems happy with that and we move on to practice force landings. I suspected the PFL was coming up next and I could see these beautiful green fields up ahead and figured it was going to happen soon. Okay, you've had an engine failure, says the examiner as he pulls back on the throttle to idle. Set up for a forced landing. I've written down on my kneeboard, wind from the east, so I wouldn't forget. But also, there was a big industrial fire in Salford on the day of my test and smoke plumes were rising high into the sky. Wind estimation probably will never be any easier. I adopt best glide, select the greenest looking field I've ever seen over my left shoulder and set up for some kind of base leg. I'm quite high, so I get one stage of flapping early and bring it round onto final. I'm way too high, but I have a plan. I remember to fake the mayday call and then rattle through the PFL checklist from memory. Tiffs. Throttle closed, ignition off, fuel off, security harnesses and hatches. Somehow I perform the most perfect S-turns. We've covered this in previous lessons, but I think I really surprised myself with this. I'm definitely pleased with myself, let's put it that way. I get the second and third stages of flapping. We're in this field, no doubt. Okay, climb away. Full power and the flaps come out in stages, then I level off. My God, that was the best PFL I've ever done on my test of all times. Show me an advanced turn. Actually, I can't remember the exact instruction, but I knew I needed to do a turn of up to 60 degree bank angle. Shall we pause for a moment? Do you remember last week's episode? I don't think I need to go through all that again, but in case you missed it, firstly, please do listen to it after you finish listening to this episode. I had about three attempts at an advanced turn with an up to a 60 degree bank angle and couldn't do it. I knew I'd failed at that point, but during the examiner pre-brief at the beginning, I was told not to try and evaluate how I was doing, so I put it out of my mind and we carried on. So now I was told to fly back to the circuit and perform an appropriate join. We used to join at 1,800 feet at Barton, so I got us up to 1,800 and made a join call over the radio. Now, it's a good job radio is not tested as part of the GST, because despite being exactly 3 miles from the ATZ, I decided to give my position as 4 miles southwest of Lee Flash. Probably need to work on my distance estimations. I get us into the circuit and all the checks are by the book. A landing of your choosing. Okay, I'll make this a normal regular approach to get a feeler before we do glide approaches or flatless approaches. The approach is good, touch and go happens as I've done countless times before and away we go for another loop around the circuit. Make this a flatless approach. Right, I was really glad of the feeler landing because it gave me a reference point for how much extra room I would need for the flatless approach. I'm not going to say it was tech but I did burn up a bit of runway but I don't remember it being eventful and away we went again for another circuit. This time I knew it would be a glide approach. Glide approach please. Yep, didn't let the examiner have the power until I knew I was definitely set up and was sure I was going to make it. He covered the power with his hand and occasionally warmed the engine during the descent as he's done during tra training, which messes with the approach a little, but I made it stick. Round we went again for another circuit. A soft field landing please. And this one was to land too. Wow, that went really quickly. Taxi back to the apron was uneventful, if a little quiet. We normally pretty chatty during this phase of the flight, so it was a bit awkward. Where shall I park it? I normally ask the instructors this because sometimes they're refueling it after my lesson and want the aircraft by the hangar, other times they want it in, on the apron facing into wind. Up to you, you're in command. Ah, test is not over yet. He gets it parked into the wind on the apron, I do the post landing checks and then power off. 
How do you think that went? He asks. He's still in the examiner mode. I haven't got my instructor back yet. Good in some respects, not so good in others, I reply rather cryptically. Will he feel sorry for me and pass me anyway? He asked me what I feel was not so good and he immediately answered the advanced turns. We both agree that I did not complete the advanced turns. I knew it. He knows I know. It's a partial pass, he says. Alright, it's not the outcome I wanted, but it is literally one thing. I get to retake the test within 28 days, and if I do that, I only have to fly out, do some advanced turns, then come back. As long as I do the turns and don't do anything stupid, I'll get a full pass. We agree that I'll take a lesson at 8am the following day on advanced turns, and then book back in for another go at them in a test environment ASAP. The lesson went well, but then due to instructor availability and the poor weather, I had to wait another week to reset my test. I retook my test on one of the windiest days we've had recently, and as it was destined to be a relatively short test rather than the normal 1 hour 15 minutes duration, examiner and I agreed that we could get this done in an 8am to 9am slot, which meant the wind might not be as bad as it was predicted to get later on in the day. I arrived at the airfield at 7.50am to find all three of my instructors anxiously hanging about waiting to find out if the airfield was going to be open. Also, the aircraft I needed was blocked in by a few sessions and pipers which the four of us had to move within the next 10 minutes if I had any hope of making my book slot. I tell you, I was not banking on that kind of pre-flight warm-up before taking a flight test with an examiner. Anyway, we did it, I got us airborne and we flew out where I performed two pretty good advanced turns, one to each side and an okayish one. Right, let's head back. Well, they're probably good enough so as long as I don't mess anything up, this should be it. Done and dusted. I do a normal overhead join, but during the circuit I can feel myself drifting out of position. I correct it and glance at the windsock. Full on crosswind. Oh crap, someone stole my jam. I set up a final with the nose into the wind and I'm coming in sideways, at least it feels like that. It's really bumpy too, which is messing with my approach. I momentarily think about sticking with just one stage of flap, but we've never done that so I go with two stages of flap. It's all going sort of okay until I get over the threshold. I've still got some power in, so that's not helped, and now I'm going long. I get the aircraft straight far too early and seem to have adopted a wing down approach, which I've never been taught, nor is an appropriate method for the Eurostar EV97. I land on one wheel, get the other wheel down, and we start veering to the left, almost going off the edge of the runway. I steer it out, slow us down. It was a mess, but we're on the ground and alive. As I start to aim for the off exit, the examiner asks, would you like to try, to try that one again? Yes, I'll call for another departure. The examiner takes the radio and announces our intentions. I take off, complete a circuit and conduct a fairly good crosswind landing as taught. Finally we get back to the apron, post landing checks complete and I power it off. How do you think that went he asks, aha the exact same words as last time. Okay apart from that dodgy landing, what should you have done instead he asked me, gone around. We had a chat about it before he told me whether I'd passed or failed and basically I'd got it in my head that the conditions were so bad that I arbitrarily decided I would land no matter what, even though the wind was within limits and I'd been taught in the same conditions. By committing myself to land whatever the cost, I'd made a classic pilot error, get their itis. Countless pilots and passengers have been killed because of get their itis. Anyway, it was a pass. I've met an acceptable standard. I really want to commit myself to doing better than that though. I want to take the opportunity to keep learning and honing my skills. I hope you'll still follow this podcast as I continue with my learning. And that's it for this episode of the Ready for Departure podcast. I hope you found this topic interesting. Please let me know how you got on with your general skills test. Did you pass, fail or partially pass like me? Feel free to get in touch via email, Twitter or Facebook. Details are on the website. Safe flying and do join me for the next episode. See you next time. Don't forget, if you want to participate in future episodes of this podcast, please get in touch and it would be great to hear the views of other students, 
fully qualified pilots or even instructors. Thanks for listening to the Ready for Departure podcast. Music was by Josh Woodward and Chris Zabriskie. You can find out more and get in touch at readyfordeparture.uk.